worshiping, I, I really felt the presence of God. I've had a chance to go to other countries. And it's like I could sense the water of the life of God just really flowing. And I just want to encourage you. You know, I think in our countries, you know, we get a lot of rain. But in Israel, it's really such a dry place. And so every time you get water, it just brings so much refreshing. And I understand the things that are happening in your own nation. But let me tell you this. The water of the life of God is flowing, you know, in such a generous way. And I trust that you are not only refreshed, but you're also... Uh, being reinvigorated for what the Lord has for you in your own walk with God, but also for your, what the Lord wants to do in South Africa. Now, um, I'm here as, uh, you know, I was mentioned for the World Conference. Um, every Nation World Conference happens every three years. And I was reminded uh, this morning at the service in Mukliof, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, that um, um, the Manila, our church, hosted a world conference as well in 2010. And I remembered the World Cup in South Africa then. But I understand there's a World Cup match tonight. So I want to make sure I end early so you guys can watch it, okay? So, but that was soccer. So Pastor Philip made sure I understood the difference between soccer and, uh, and rugby, all right? So... <laughs> I think I do. I think the ball makes it different. But anyway, <laughs> but the world conference, the world conference, every nation is going to be in Cape Town. I'm wondering if some of you are going to be there. Will some of you be there? All right. Uh, when, the, when the world cup, con when the world, every nation world conference took place in Manila 2010, um, we actually made it to the Guinness Book of World Records our conference because we were able to sing Amazing Grace in 50 different languages. So we're still there. I'm wondering if we're going to break a record in this coming conference in Cape Town. So who knows? Uh, I don't know what everything is uh, planned for that conference, but I just thought I'd remind you that um, there's something significant about the gathering. And me being in this country, I've been here a few times, and uh, there's something... I've learned, um, and Pastor Philip was with us in Manila for our seminary, and I found out the more, there's a worship, there's a verse in Revelation chapter 5 that says, Jesus purchased men with his blood from every tribe and language and people and nation, obviously men and women, and I found out the more the different nations and ethnicities and tribes are represented the closer you are to what it means to worship in heaven. And so that's what's going to happen in the World Conference. But to me, the fact that this is a diverse nation, I think you're a little closer to heaven perhaps than the other nations. Of course, God loves all people, but I want you to know that, that there's something special about you as a people because the ethnos, which is what nations are, is right here. Now, um, that's not my main message. Uh, last night, in preparation for this, I didn't even expect that we were going to be taken on a safari by your pastors, Pastor Jonathan, one of the pastors, and uh, a few others took us. 
And certainly it was an experience. They said we were lucky because we saw four of the five big, the big five, okay? The only thing we didn't see was a leopard. Now the cheetah, we did see a cheetah and her cubs. So maybe that's, uh, but anyway, certainly it was a fascinating experience, okay? So as Pastor Philip said, so, you know, we were fortunate to have seen that. Now, again, I, going to the zoo is not going to be the same anymore. I mean, you know, if, so we are in the zoo, right? I mean, anyway, my point is, it got me thinking about enjoying the creation of God. And, and I'm, this is segueing into what I'm going to be sharing with you tonight about the creation, particularly fauna, okay? Flora and fauna, animals and the, and the plants. I don't know if you realize this, they... The creation reveals the creator. When we understand, you know, look at the Bible. There's a lot of references to animals, isn't it? And rightfully so because much of the Bible language is metaphorical. Now, I'm not a literary person. I'm a science-oriented person. But when I became a follower of Christ, I realized the Bible is rich literature but certainly the point is not the literature but to reveal who God is and so remember Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah isn't it and um, you know in the Philippines I mean um, there's many animal references uh, about the scriptures you know uh, will rest under the shadow of the almighty the wings uh, it, it brought it made me realize you're exposed to this in your culture you know, these different animals that reveal something about the character and the attributes of God. And so I thought, hey, well, I think I should let you give you a little biology lesson. In the Philippines, we have these unique animals that you don't see. I don't think they're here. In the same way that we have, you have animals that we don't see in Manila, in the Philippines rather. One of them is called the Tarsier. And uh, can we show it? This is only found, this is the smallest primate. Okay, in the whole world, it's only found in Philippines and in other Southeast Asian countries. And for you, this dude looks familiar, isn't it? Actually, that's where they got the inspiration for Yoda in Star Wars. Okay, no, that's true. Okay, certainly looks like Yoda there. And the Philippines has the largest eagle in the world in terms of wingspan not of weight it's called the monkey eating eagle or the philippine eagle he, he looks particularly mean you know so what's my point my point is the creation reveals the creator and many animals of course you know um, talks about i've carried you on eagle swings i could go on as i segue into my text i want us to understand that god will wants to make himself known to you each one of you in a very common occurrence here in your own country okay and I'll, I'll read the text and then you'll see where I'm coming from and so thank you again uh, Pastor Rudo and the others for inviting me here um, but I believe this is what the Lord wants to minister to every one of you John chapter 10 verse 1 to 5 11 to 16 we're going to read this text out of ESV and then trust that the Lord will speak to us this is Jesus responding to the Pharisees who were you know, challenging him because he'd healed a man on the Sabbath. And this is what it says. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens 
the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hard hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. I want to speak to you about the voice of the shepherd. Father, thank you that um, your, these, this word is your voice to us. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, illuminate, Father, our path as we reflect upon your self-revelation. Thank you that we don't need to feel like we're being scattered, but we can be gathered together as one flock in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Now again, in context, Jesus, uh, the apostle John was you know, narrating this interesting turn of events because Jesus had been healing people. There were many people who were believing it at this, in the same breath. The religious leaders were beginning to oppose him because they were really uh, being exposed for their own hypocrisy. And so um, Jesus makes one of his seven self-revelations. Uh, you know, if you study the book of John, you'll see, I'm the light of the world. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, I'm the bread of life. You can see that. And here he says, I am the good shepherd. And this is important. If, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you're here because you want to get to know God, isn't it? We want to have relationship with God. How can you have relationship with someone who's invisible? And I've learned this over the years that for us to get to know God, God has to take initiative to make himself known to you and me. Why? Because of sin. Sin has distorted our ability to know who God is. Really, all over the world, people want to seek God, but they end up having a caricature, if you will, of who God is. That's what idolatry really is. It's a very, it's a very low estimation of the, mag the magnificence and the majesty and the glory and the power and the love of this God whom we worship. And so God has to take initiative to make himself known. And that's what Jesus was doing here. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now again, uh, you know, I, I, I asked Pastor Philip, I want to make sure, because in, in the Philippines, you know, what, we're not a sheep country, we're a goat country and a water buffalo. We have our own version of the water buffalo. We call it Carabao. And it's much more domesticated. You can ride here. I understand here you can be gored, okay? But the point is, um, sheep apparently are, are common here in your own country, okay? Now, what is the point? The point is one of the most, um, one of the most humbling and yet comforting 
truths about what we've heard is this. Okay? The way Jesus sees you and me is like sheep without a shepherd. That's in Matthew chapter 9. Now, as I said, I don't know about you, huh? You know, for me to be called a sheep, I mean, I certainly don't smell like a sheep, man. Okay? But that's how Jesus sees you and me. Okay? Now, again, so, you know, maybe I'm, I don't want to make an assumption, but as I said, since it's common, okay, I just had a steak earlier for lunch. Thank you, Pastor Philip. And I know some of, you know, lamb chops, I'm not really much into lamb, okay? But all I know is sheep are a delicacy and they're a very important part of the agricultural life of Israel, okay? Since this, that's our context. Now, there is one thing that I've learned about sheep, you know, and that is this, okay? Sheep have no sense of direction. Huh. Okay, what are we called? We're called sheep without a shepherd, right? I don't know about you. What do you mean no sense of direction? Well, uh, I want to show you a video, a short one, to make the point. Okay, I won't make any comment. You figure out what the message is, all right? All right. Point made. When sheep feed, you know, they like grass. When sheep are feeding, their nose and eyes are on the grass. And they just keep munching on it. And when they look up, if they're, not, if they're not aware of their surroundings, before you know it, they're actually astray from where the rest of the sheep are. And when they, that happens to them, at least as far as I've known this, they begin to wander around in circles until they become vulnerable as prey to the wolves. And so because sheep have no sense of direction, their flocking instincts are so strong. Okay? Everybody say, bah. <laughs> okay? Are you still with me? Okay? And so what's the point? The point is, Jesus, again, trying to expose the hypocrisy of the Pharisees who were leading the people astray, they thought they were the religious leaders, just like the blind leading the blind, as Luke, chapter, uh, as Luke says. He, in contrast, he says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me and I know my sheep. And so one of the most important revelations that we can have of Christ, there's many facets, is that he is a shepherd. And if you look at scripture, there are many uh, references to leadership. I'm, I'm, you know, there's application here, not just in our own personal lives, but as in the context of raising leaders, which is one of our core values. There, there are many um, ways by which a leader, you know, a leader is a military, um, a military commander. David, you know, was a shepherd boy becoming a king, isn't it? And he would lead the Israelites in battle. You know, the Lord says, the Lord is a mighty man of war. I don't know if you can picture God as like, like that, leading people into, into battle. You know, the Lord is a, uh, uh, 
is a priest, is a prophet. You know, he speaks and he uses human vessels to speak. There's many more that we can see from scripture. I'm saying that to make the point that the most often used metaphor for leadership in the Bible is none other than a shepherd leader. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac and Jacob were shepherds. Moses was a shepherd. Um, David was a shepherd. Amos was a shepherd. Now Jesus was a carpenter, but he called himself the shepherd of the sheep. Peter and his, disciples and his friends were fishermen, but Peter was being reinstated by Jesus. Jesus said, do you love me? Yes, I do, Lord. Be shepherd my flock. Feed my flock. So the point is, when we understand what a shepherd does, then we begin to have a greater sense of who God is towards you and me. Now, two things about a shepherd. The shepherd leads the way. Okay, he says when they, uh, you know, when they, um, you know, they, they go out to pasture, the shepherd knows where the, the good grass is. So that's how he leads, by going in front of the, the sheep. But the other, way, the other revelation is this. The shepherd leads by his voice. It says here in the text, isn't it? In, in, during biblical times, not everybody had their own sheep pen. So what would happen is they would keep the flock of sheep, probably three or four flocks all in one sheep pen. I guess they wanted to save on rental space. And so in the morning, when the sheep uh, gate would be opened and the sheep would go out to pasture, the big question is how would they be able to know which shepherd to follow? And apparently what they did that, uh, Pastor Philip told me, we actually have members of our churches here who own sheep, uh, you know, pens or flocks. And they used to do this, but they don't do that anymore now. There's a new way, I guess, of shepherding. But during that time, all the shepherd would do is begin to either sing out or call out the sheep by name. And guess what would happen? Each of the sheep would follow the voice. No one would be mixed with the other because they recognize the voice of their Shepherd, isn't that amazing? That's how God looks at you and me, how we can relate with God. Now the question is, remember when Jesus was saying here, he was refuting the, 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 the Pharisees who were really false teachers. And unfortunately, the word we're living in, there's a proliferation of false teaching, isn't it? And so how can we be certain that we're following the voice of the shepherd? Well, guess what? It starts with the big question, are you a sheep of Christ? If you've put your faith in Christ, guess what? God has given you the ability to know and hear God's voice. My sheep hear my voice. I don't know about you, but that brings such a, an assurance. And so our ability to grow in our faith is contingent. Not so much, yes, God's committed. Of course, we know the scriptures are God's word. And so this is a starting point. But really, the goal of, of spiritual leadership in many ways and for every one of us is how can we recognize God's voice, isn't it? And the more you can recognize the voice of God, guess what? You'll have that sense of well-being, that sense of protection. Certainly in the world we're living in right now, there's many voices and people are in confusion all over the world. But we don't have to be confused. We don't have to be in anxiety. We don't have to be in uncertainty of the voice of God. And so what I want to do for the rest of this message is simply...
to point you to a scripture that somehow helps us understand how to recognize the voice of God. And we're going to go to one of the most beloved scripture texts in the Bible, Psalm 23. Okay? Psalm 23, verse 1 says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, we won't read the rest of it. This is probably one of the most beloved psalms of all. Composed by David, who was a shepherd boy who became king. And sometimes we think, he may have written this probably in his early uh, years. Remember, he was a shepherd boy. He, when he faced Goliath, he said, I've already slain the bear and the lion. But it seems like, and of course there's no certainty to this, but if you read the commentaries, many are saying this probably was actually written in the latter years of David's life. You know, after he, after he killed Goliath, he became commander. Saul got jealous of him. He was a fugitive for about 13 years. Saul dies, he becomes king. And for the next 40 years, he's had victory, over, victory after victory. Unfortunately, he falls into sin. And uh, his own son wants to kill him, Absalom. And it's probably during this time where he was comforting himself. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. If you imagine that context of David's on the, being on the run from his own son, then perhaps that might really be the occasion when he composed this. You know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So what I want to show you from this text are three qualities of God's voice or the truths about God's voice. Now, Obviously, there's not a direct reference to the voice of God, but because if knowing God as shepherd, then I think we can have a sense of what God's voice will be. First one is this, two truths about God's voice. Number one, God's voice is restorative. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. When you hear the voice of God, and again, hearing, what does that mean? Is it a physical voice? Many times we feel, and anyway, I'll, I'll give you a couple of stories that might help you learn how to hear. Because it's not automatic that we all hear God. We learn to hear the voice of God. But see, God leads us by His Spirit. He doesn't drive us. Um, there were these tourists from America who went to... Um, who went to Israel, modern-day Israel, and uh, I guess like what any tourist would do, they would try to study about the life of the people there. You know, of course, Israel's a modern nation now, but they, um, they you know, so they saw this flock of sheep, uh, you know, just moving, you know, uh, walking along the, the road, and there was a man who seemed like to be the shepherd, but instead of being in front of the people, he would actually be behind, he was behind them. So they were kind of scratching their heads I, because all along they thought that a shepherd goes in front, right? And so they, they just asked the shepherd, uh, the, the person, excuse me, we're tourists. And we were just wondering, we learned from the tourist book that shepherds usually go in front, right? Because they lead the sheep. So, but we're wondering why you're behind them and you're, you know, showing them forward. 
Oh, and he very nonchalantly said, oh yeah, well that's very true. Shepherds go in front of the sheep to lead the sheep. But you see, I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. Okay, I think you got that. <laughs> okay. You know, God leads us. He goes in front of us. God's voice, many times is a whisper, isn't it? See, religion and legalism will drive us. When Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It says in 1 John, my commands are not burdensome. Because everyone born of God overcomes the world. If you learn, if, if when you begin to hear the voice of God and you feel burdened and it's like, Lord, I can't do this thing. Then you're probably not hearing the voice of the shepherd. You know, we learned this from our preaching professor, uh, Dave Ward, who... Um, and he's part of our ENS faculty. And for those of you who preach, he taught us to, he taught us this. He said, your preaching should promote grace-filled living, not works righteousness. Let me say that again. The preaching of the word should promote grace-filled living. I trust and I believe that when you hear God's word here Sunday after Sunday, it allows you to say, hey, this is God's grace at work in me. I can live this. Rather than be burdened and says, I don't think I can live up to this. That's a big difference. And so, um, one of my, my favorite stories in our church was this lady who didn't attend our church at first. But she ended up eventually being in our church. And... Years ago, decades ago, she was you know, housewife, lived with her husband, and I think they had two small children then. And story goes, one day, her husband goes to her and very just matter-of-factly said, I'm seeing another woman. I'm going to separate from you. Bye-bye. I mean, you know, I'm making it curt, but it was just that impersonal, just unfaithful, and he leaves her. Needless to say, she's distraught and heartbroken. She's at the loss. She's not working. Doesn't know how she's going to support her children. Tries to look for a job. Couldn't find one. She came to that realization because of the pain of her husband's betrayal. She decided, I'm going to end my life. And so the story goes, she, she told this to us. I'm narrating the story. That morning, she was in her dining kitchen. And she said... She was mixing the coffee where she was going to put the poison, mix it and drink it and die, basically. But as providence would have it, she realized, you know, she's mixing the coffee, obviously heartbroken. She decides to open the TV just to watch whatever random thing was showing. And at that point, a Christian television program, I don't know if it's here in South Africa, in the Philippines it is, it's called 700 Club. Uh, by CBN. It's a Christian broadcasting company in the U.S. Uh, Pat Robertson, who just really recently died, um, was showing. And it's a, it's a Christian program which has media reports, it has testimonies. And part of the report, uh, part, of the, part of what they do towards the end of the broadcast is they pray for people who are watching. 
And this is interesting because in all likelihood, it was a pre-recorded um, sh uh, show. You know, it was probably delayed, tel uh, delayed and sent to the Philippines. And as Pat Robertson or whoever it was was praying, he begins to say, you know, I want to pray for you if you have any needs. So he moves in word of knowledge, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit. As he's praying, he suddenly says, there's a woman out there and you want to end your life. Don't do it. And here she is about to drink. <laughs> she realizes that man is talking to me. And so she puts down the cup. There's a counseling hotline. She calls the hotline, pours out her story. The counselor ministers to her, leads her to Christ. And she decides there that she's not going to end her life anymore. Praise God. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Amen. And so she stops. She realizes, probably realizes who's going to take care of my children if I kill myself. And so what she did thus then is, you know, she begins to be ministered to. They gave, um, they channeled her to one of the churches. She, that's probably when she ended up being in our church. But anyway, the point is, her, she still had a problem, right? She still had to find work. And she couldn't, you know, I, I don't know what her skill set was. So she ended up doing what we probably would call a liaison officer. What, it, what, it, what that person does is basically facilitate the papers of, uh, you know, an organization. I know that because we became one of her clients, our church. And, you know, there's inefficiencies in our system. You know, there's usually bribery because, you know, they slow down the process, you know, to get your permits for the city hall. And so uh, she became uh, one of our, our church became one of our cli her clients, but she made a conviction that she's not going to bribe. So she's kind of like the persistent widow where she would go back and forth. And finally, the, the municipal officers got tired of her just going back and forth. And so finally, she would get the papers without any bribe. And so she did this for many years until she was able to buy her, by herself, uh, save enough money so that her children could finish university education. Hallelujah. God provided. Now, the end of the story, though, is this. Well, not the end of the story, but this is how it turned out. Her daughter... After graduation, soon enough, fell in love with a, an aspiring singer, both Christians. And this young man happens to be the nephew of one of the top 40 billionaires in the Philippines. They own airline companies and all kinds of things. And so can you imagine this woman ends up marrying, okay, the nephew of, of this conglomerate. And so... You can imagine the story from being distraught to, it's kind of like a Cinderella story, isn't it? Now, am I saying you're all going to marry billionaires? No. Okay. But my point is when you hear the voice of God, God will bring restoration in your life. Second way we, we recognize God's voice. God's voice leads us to places of abundance. John 10.10 10 says, Jesus saw the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But I came that he may have life and have it abundantly. Um, remember the scripture says, he leads me, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Notice the word green. Just very descriptive, isn't it? In fact, Mark chapter, one of the gospel accounts. Remember when they were, uh, when Jesus fed the multitudes, the 5,000. There was one particular, I think it's in Mark's version. Where the gospel writer Mark said, they, he made them lie down in the green grass. And the, just a vivid picture, isn't it? Remember, there are many places that are arid in, uh, in Israel. And so green grass speaks of lushness, isn't it? Um, Blaine McCormick, in The Leader as a Shepherd, uh, that book, says, Shepherd leaders are abundance creators. Especially in the ancient Near East, shepherds would carve out of the wilderness whatever pastures and waters that their flocks enjoyed. You can imagine, you know, these shepherds would go out of their way. They'd look for those green pastures. And it's a hard job, isn't it? They would hack their way. Or maybe in the desert, it's, it's a dry place. Where can you get these? But that's the heart of a shepherd. He wants to make sure the sheep have, have grass so that they can, they can be well fed. And many people, obviously this is uh, metaphorical as well. Uh, he says this, all too often our lives become closed systems in which we perceive selectively and move defensively. Those who have shepherded us through life have given us more relationships, more places to travel, more resources, and more wisdom. Think about your own journey as a follower of Christ. Perhaps, you know, you live a guarded, you lived a guarded life. You were mis not trusting with people. And yet, you know, as you go through your own journey, maybe you became part of this church and you were reached out to us. The gospel shared and the pastors began ministering and you're part of a small group. And you begin to sense something, isn't it? It's like you sense, hey, these people are really after my, my well-being. And, and, you know, this is not a perfect church. There's no such thing as a perfect church. But I'd like to believe that if you've been here a while, you recognize. If you look at where your life was before and where it is now. I can look back. I've been a pastor for 35 years. I mean, the fact that I would even be here standing before you. Certainly, the Lord's led me to a place of abundance. I was just... Thinking, Lord, you, you're, you've given me the privilege of sharing your word to people from all, all walks of life in different nations. I mean, who am I? I'm just someone from the Philippines going to your own country and ministering God's word. Certainly God's led me and he will lead you to places of abundance the more you can learn and recognize the voice of God. I have another story. Uh, this time, an animal, but a fish. Okay, um, we have a business person. How many of you business people here? Can I see your hands? Uh, business people, okay. So anyway, I understand most of your students. The church that, that we started um, ministers to the top two universities in the Philippines. But see, my, my understanding then, I wanted to reach students because they were going to graduate eventually. How many of you believe you're going to graduate, right? <laughs> and then you're going to get work. You're going to start businesses. You're going to do all kinds of things. I'd like to think that this is a place where dreams and visions can be birthed in your life. So anyway, this businessman from our church in a northern province was in the fish, was in the fishing business, meaning he bred fish, okay? And fish, uh, it's one of the most famous fish in the Philippines. It's called milkfish. It's not colored white. 
but it's very, it's very delicious. Just has a lot of uh, bones. And um, it's, he didn't own a fish pond. A fish pond is usually you dig the water, the, the, you dig from the ground and you put water and then you put the fish in. It's a fish pen, meaning it's the, the fish pen, bamboo slats with nets are placed in a river or near the ocean. And that's where you put the fish. And it's unique because that area has brackish waters, meaning it's a mix of salt water and fresh water. So apparently the fish like that and so they grow and it's really a lucrative business. But there's one major risk and that risk is when there are sudden floods and typhoons, sometimes the river, oh, um, I mean, elevate, I mean the, the water level goes up and, and sometimes the fish actually escape from the fish pen. So you lose your catch, your harvest. One time, they were in a prayer uh, in a small group, okay? I believe this church does have small groups, so it's good to be in a small group. They were praying for one another, and this businessman from our church suddenly felt impressed. And again, when I say impressed, how does God speak? How do you hear God's voice? I mean, do you Moses. You know, God doesn't usually speak like that, right? I mean, if he speaks like that with a loud voice, that means it's a pretty serious thing, right? I mean, he, he did that in the book. In, in Exodus, in Exodus 19, and the people were so scared. Aren't you glad God doesn't speak like that? It's usually like a whisper, a sense of an impression, a feeling, an insight or a revelation. And many times it comes from scripture, isn't it? So again, you know, if you've been in this church, that's how we want to help you how to recognize God's voice. Anyway, he felt a strong impression to harvest his fish. Now, I think the milkfish usually grow, it takes about two to three months to grow it to full size. And probably it needed another couple of weeks before it was full size. And so he was wondering, Lord, I hear you saying harvest the fish. It was a strong impression. He didn't mind it at first, but the impression wouldn't leave. So after a while, after the prayer meeting, he goes home. And after a little more time, he realizes, okay, Lord, I'm just going to do this by faith. Um, maybe his profit wouldn't be as much. Because they weren't fully grown, but he'll har he harvested it anyway in obedience to the voice of God. Well, guess what happens? In a, within less than a week's time, a sudden storm hits that part of the country. And unfortunately, the river did overflow and many of the other fish, pond, fish pen owners lost their harvest of fish. But the Lord spared this man because he obeyed the voice of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, that's not the end of the story, okay? When the waters receded, to his surprise, when he looked into his fish pen, there was more fish in his fish pen. So apparently, the fish that had escaped the others ended up in his own fish pen. Now, you might say, well, that's not fair. But how would you know which brand of fish who owns that fish? Amen. <laughs> Come on. When you, obey, come on, when you obey the voice of God, He leads us in places of abundance. And again, I think abundance means more than, so much more than just simply material blessing, although that's part of it. Abundance speaks of God's relationships. And we know more and more that's truly where the riches are, the abundance of God. And finally, number three, and I'll end with this point. God's voice leads us to paths of righteousness. 
you know, there's, uh, that'll reveal my age. Uh, there's a song, classic rock and roll song called Stairway to Heaven, okay? Some of you don't know that, okay? You weren't born then yet, but Led Zeppelin has this song that says, yes, there are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on, okay? You're having flashbacks of your old life, okay? At least my old life. And that's a deception of the enemy. To think that there are, I mean, you know, you've, I think all of you have lived enough in this world to understand there's a right path and there's a wrong path, isn't it? And even God himself in Deuteronomy said, I give before you life and blessing, blessing and cursing, you know, life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. You know, as humans, we like to live our own lives, right? And I've learned this. When people don't want to follow Christ, you know, remember when the rich young ruler, he went away, Jesus didn't run after him. You wonder, Lord, where's your compassion? See, God respects humans too much to force them into following him. That's the amazing thing about it. God never coerces people. But the flip side is this, brothers and sisters, you have freedom of choice, but you don't have freedom of consequence. And the Lord is saying to us, there is a path of life. And when you hear the voice of God, He will never lead you into a destructive path. God loves you and me so much. He says, this is the way, walk ye in it. And the wonderful thing is, when we do follow the path of life, I was just reading Psalm 1 in my devotion this morning. The path, the Lord watches over the path of the righteous. God will guide you, brothers and sisters. You don't have to feel at a place of confusion. Lord, where is my life happening? I know the last few years, people have been, in the words of my friend, so discombobulated about their lives. I don't know of any person Rich or poor, smart or not smart, who's not been in confusion about where this world is headed. Let me tell you, there's a clarity. More and more, God is saying to us, my voice is going to become so clear to you. And you will know. Because you'll know it because it's the path of life. And so as we end this, my message, I want to pray for you. And we, I know... People everywhere have diverse circumstances. Some of you may, might be in a good place. Some of you may not be in a good place. But the voice of the shepherd is here to say, my sheep hear my voice. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the assurance you're giving us as your sons and daughters. Thank you that the same God in the Philippines is the same God in South Africa. Is the same God in Israel. It's the same God everywhere in the world. Because you said there will be one shepherd and there will be one flock. Thank you that apart from you, all of us are nothing. But thank you that through you, we can do all things. And Lord, when I think about this great nation and the many problems and challenges and the tension that they're feeling, thank you, Lord, that you want to assure 
your people, Lord, that they're not going to go astray. They're going to be led by your spirit, by your word. And so if you're here tonight and you're saying, Pastor, I, yeah, I think I need clarity. I'm in a, maybe you're in a transition. Maybe you're seeking God about what to do next. Or perhaps there's been some situations that you've been in in recent past where it's seemed like a dead end or seemed like a path you didn't expect. I believe the Lord wants to release grace and just bring a clarity to you. That you can hear his voice and his guidance. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you? All right. Several hands, no shame, and simply acknowledging. Father, I bless my brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord, that you opened their spiritual eyes and ears in a new way. You said the hearing ear and the seeing eye, you have made them both. Lord, I resist and I rebuke the work of the enemy, the spirit of confusion. I bind it in the name of Jesus. Lord, even accusations against you and against one another. Father, some of them feel condemned that maybe because of whatever decisions they made. They are where they are. But Lord, even as our brother was leading us in worship, you're a father who, if we've ever we've gone astray, Lord, you're waiting for us. So, Lord, release peace right now. Lord, let peace be their arbiter of their soul. Let them know, Father, that they will hear your voice. They don't have to strain. Lord, we silence, we shut the accusation of the enemy. Lord, your word says, from the lips of infants and children, you've ordained praise to shut the mouths of the enemy. Thank you, Lord. They're going to have a... Just a greater ability to discern your voice from here on in. In Jesus' name. I want to just drop that thought. Psalm 8 says, from the lips of children and infants, you've ordained praise to silence the enemy. You know, the enemy, how, there is an enemy, isn't it? And it mostly here, he's, demons sometimes masquerade as your thoughts. You think it's just you wrestling with your thoughts. But there's something powerful about praise. Whenever you praise God, whether it's here in our corporate time or when you are in your own private place with God, the mouth of the enemy is shut. Then you can begin hearing God's voice. God bless you all.